0: Your pulpit reflects your pastor's height. So I'm going to stand over here. It is such a, an honor to be here. I was just so uh, blown away, humbled that Clint asked me to speak today and to share, share what, what God has been, been teaching me uh, about the fear of God. And by the way, i, I got to say about Clint, he's on the board. I've been on the board now, coming on seven years, and uh, some of the tough things that we're facing in the Midwest District, are all churches all biblical-based churches are facing, all, all those who are seeking the truth are facing. It's so refreshing. I know I can look out at Clint, and I know exactly where he stands. Uh, he's solid. And uh, I just praise God for that. We're so thankful that he's, he, he, you've given him the time to be on a board because we desperately need men like him. And so you are you are blessed. And uh, As Clint said, about two years ago, Pastor Eric shared with us about uh, the fear of the Lord. And, and I, I got to say, I, I was just riveted to the, my seat and to listening to every word he was saying because over the years, I've been a pastor for 20 years. I was a counselor, biblical counselor, and still continue to be a biblical counselor. And, and I, it, it, it struck me that, do I really understand? Uh, you know, I look back at my seminary years, it's like, okay, which professor really honed in on teaching us as the word says what the fear of the Lord is? And I, I know this is a celebration today of all that God has done and, and being grateful in our hearts. You know, I had ask myself this question. Can I, can I really be, be anchored in the Word, filled with the Holy Spirit, being grateful and not fear the Lord? And I, I looked at the passages and I, I, I must, this, this is an anchor. This truth is an anchor. And if you have your Bibles, or I know there's Bibles below, would you please turn to Psalm 34? And, and because what happened after that, that listen to Pastor Eric about the truth about the fear of God? It, it started to, to open things my eyes to some things in Scripture, and by no means am I uh, <laughs> an expert by any means on this particular truth. But I, I want to share with you just what God has been showing me in the study of the Word. And in Psalm 34, I, I love this song. psalm. It says, I, I, I was convicted even further as I studied it. It reads, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Take note of four. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Now I'm starting to see something here that, that's jumping out. That, you know, when, when I fear the Lord, these other fears go away. They go down. That when I when I am in the right fear of the Lord, and I, I'm, I'm going to be working towards a definition that Pastor Eric gave us from Sinclair uh, Ferguson, I believe, um, that really made sense. My wife and I have talked about this a lot because a lot of these biblical truths, are like what does this really mean to fear God? I mean, tell someone that's anxious about the, or anxious about something in their life, and say, okay, you need to fear God to get right, and they're going, you're nuts. You're telling him to be anxious about something, be, be fearing God, and that's going to take care of my anxiety? But look, look at what this verse 4 says. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Now watch a little further. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. You know, I, I, we can't help but not recognize what's going on in the world today. And, and all that's happening. Sherry and I have been to Israel and we have very dear friends. We consider him a dear friend, Yossi and Renan. Yossi was our guide and Renan was our bus driver. And immediately when we heard what was happening, you know, the fear of that started to well up in me. And I had to come back to the truth about the fear of God is going to be answering my questions. And I'll, I'll dig into that a little further. Those who look on him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. Verse 5, 6. The poor man cried, and the Lord heard and saved him out of all of his troubles. Look at this. The angel of the Lord had cancer around those who fear him and delivers them. Gave me direction how to pray for my friend Yossi and his two boys who are on the front line in Gaza. O taste and see, the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And I want to rest on this one passage because it struck me. As uh, I heard Pastor Eric and I dove into the Word, this one passage has really stuck with me. Look how it reads. Verse 11. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. I want you to ask yourself this question. Who taught you? Who sat you down and said, I want to teach you about the fear of God, what it means? How does it work? What happens if you don't fear God? You know, I, I had to look at my own life and, I, you know, I, I realized I hadn't talked to my own kids about the fear of God. I just passively said it. You know, it says uh, the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs 9, 10, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, right? We've probably quoted that. Maybe some of you have quoted that to someone. But who's taught you? And, and I wonder if you have thought about this, the fear of God is something that is to be taught, and I started thinking about this, in, in terms of you know, did we have this in Sunday school? Did we we teach this? Did, I can't remember a teacher. Um, I in, in seminary I heard professors say these things, you know, all all this kind of stuff. And, and I I started looking at, at counsel when I sat down with people and couples, and and after I heard this and I started studying this, it's like, you know, I started asking myself questions. You know, be, some of the things that I'm facing is. Okay, is the fear of God really here? A- am I standing in the fear of God as I make this decision? A- as I think about, you know, whether it might be money or those kinds of things, and and shortly after that, I had this couple come in. I, I, I and my wife, uh, my wife is a therapist to pray for our children because that's had to be hard. <laughs> Two counselors in the house. There's like, oh no, yeah, <laughs> it was hard at times. But I studied with this couple, and have you ever been around couples that argue? Okay, maybe you're one of them. That I don't know, but but you know, this couple comes in and they are arguing, and they've been married for probably 15, 20 years. Um, they they had a wide range of kids, five kids, um, and, and and they both I know that were believers. I, I remember one's baptism. And and boy, they were not getting along. It was ugly. I listened to it for about 15 minutes. That's about all I could stand. And I heard everything over and over and over again. And I asked them this question. I was amazed at what God did with it. I asked him, I says, guys, stop talking for a minute. Please stop. I want to ask you a question. Where is the fear of God? Where is the fear of God in the things you're saying to your spouse and the things you're saying about each other? Where is the fear of God? You could have heard crickets. And, and you know, lo- a lot of times we don't like long pauses, but I, it was just one of those moments that we just stopped and nobody said anything. And finally, the husband said, you know, it hasn't been in our home. It hasn't been in my thoughts. I, I don't even know what it means. And they, they, they said, I think we need to just get, home, get up and, and go to our places where we pray and just pray. Shortest hour I had that day. And it started to speak to me, you know. This what God is saying about how important that is that we understand this—that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You know, I I was so touched by this. We in Broken Bow, our youth group, my wife and I were the youth leaders, and uh, our youth group for the last seven years went down to Bridge of Hope. Some of you may have heard of Bridge of Hope, Pastor Luther. Yeah, Bridge of Hope. We went every year, and we we would help with the day camps. Well, Broken Bow was selected to be first, and uh, we launched the the day camps. And so we were down there this year, and I said, you know, I called Luther about March. And I said, "I, I think God has put on one verse that we are really to be teaching little kids, you know, kids in really tough spots, Kids, you know, like one of them that Sherry and I were there that one of the second year or third year, uh, he showed us, he pulled up his shorts a little bit, and you could see the bullet wound when he got when he was about four or five years old. A stray bullet went through his house and shot him in the leg. You know, we were going to teach these kids. I said, Pastor Luther, here's what I want to teach them. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Solomon says, uh, all has been looked at. And the whole duty of man is to fear God and obey his commands. I says, I, I think God's putting on our hearts that we're going to teach the fear of God. And, and, and we started saying this, and I, I remember, <laughs> and sometimes these little ones, that you, you get, we'd have, we had about 60 this year in there, all ages, you know, from about 5 up to about 11. And, and this one little tyke, she, she comes in, and, and she, she was really taken by when we started talking about what the fear of God is. Is that, that it's this awe, this, oh, this reverence, it's this, it's this love. It, it is this, this love, but it's also this fear at the same time. It's so hard to explain, but we tried our best to explain to a little six-year-old little girl what it is. And she was a little frustrated. You could see the lines in her face, and she went home to her grandma. She lived with her grandma. She comes home, and, and the next day, her grandma calls Luther and goes, what are those people teaching these kids? I mean, seriously, what, why are they telling us to fear God? And, and Pastor Luther had an opportunity to talk to Grandma, but it struck with me how we have failed sometimes as a church, as leaders, to really speak to what this is. And, and so tonight, or this afternoon, I, I want to go a little further. and I want to bring some of those things, and by no means do I claim that we have a a a, a complete handle on this. I don't think... I don't think that's possible because it's such a big truth, the fear of God. It is so big because God is so big. It, it's hard even to even define. In your Bibles, would you turn to Revelation 19.5? In 19.5, if you're premillennial as I am, as I look at Revelation, it's yet to come. It's also, in chapter 19 of Revelation, we're talk, it's talking about the second coming is, has happened. And it's the wedding banquet of all the, the, gather, the, all the believers. And, and I was struck by this when I studied this passage because it, it, it reads that, and from the throne came a voice saying, th- this is in heaven. It says, praise our God, all you servants, you who fear him, small and great. And I you know, I I had to stop and think about what what is what are you telling me, God? That that even in heaven we're going to fear God. It's an eternal truth. Uh, That even even that this truth is going to be with us in heaven. As a believer, I, I, I have this assurance I'm going to be in heaven and I'm going to continue to be learning the fear of God. Because He is so big. He is so incredible. He is so beyond words to describe. I can't even get my arms around this. And if it's an eternal truth, it brought me back to going, I I better be studying this now. I better be coming to, to grips with this as much as I can every day that God gives me about living in the fear of God. I'm told this over and over and over You know how sometimes when when God puts something on your heart and you start reading the Bible, you see it everywhere you go. And it's like every place I was turning, Old and New Testament, and it blows me away. Let me give you this definition, and and, and by any means, because I know Sinclair Ferguson would never say this is a perfect definition. But many, many theologians over the years, many pastors and Christians have struggled with what does this really mean? And I, I agree with Pastor Eric who shared with, with us at the district conference that this, this, this definition makes the most sense. And here, here's what he said. The proper fear of God is a mixture of reverence and pleasure, joy and awe which fills our hearts when we realize who God is and what he has done for us. Just as we were singing moments ago, what he has done for us, what he did for us at the cross. And he goes on, it is a love for God which is so great that we would be ashamed to do anything which would displease or grieve him and makes us happiest when we are doing what pleases him, makes us happiest when we are doing what pleases him. Now that, that started some things turning in my mind about understanding that it's I mean, if you look like at Exodus 2020, 20, it's one of those confusing passages. It says, not Moses says, "Don't be afraid. Fear God." Now put that together. <laughs> Don't be afraid, but fear God." That's kind of like in counseling, talking to someone who's terrified of something, anxious about something. You know, we tell them, don't be afraid, but how well are we teaching them about fearing God? I started thinking more about this, and probably the best way I could start to put my thoughts together to share with you tonight was that this fear of God, there's so much there because it is so big about brings me closer to to understanding the awe and the joy of knowing God of knowing who he is. When I read the scriptures, it jumps off the page of who he is. When I I see him, and and through the the Old and the New Testament, and when I see him working and changing people's lives, which is one of the greatest joys as a pastor I can know, is is to watch how he changes someone's life. I, I started to understand a little bit more about this is, this is so big, I need to study it more. And I need to come to understand this joy and awe of him all in, wrapped up in this piece here of who he is. It's kind of like intimacy, it, it, it's, it's this intimacy with God that is so hard to describe because we can't describe him fully. Because he's so oh, awesome as who he is. I got onto another path that I wanted to share with you tonight, too, is about sometimes we start to understand things of the Bible when we start to see when it's not present or when it's failed. If you have your Bibles, join me in Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2, Old Testament, prophet. And it begins here, I'm going to kind of go through several verses here, but the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah said. Go and proclaim in the, hear, hearing, of, in the hearing of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord. It says, I, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness, in the land, not shown, not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. You, you know that moment when you really, you, I, I, was, I was a mess in my life. My, I, my, I made a mess of my early life, 20 years, 20-plus 20 years. I came to Christ later in my life. And, and, and do you remember that moment when you really understand who Jesus is and what he has done and what God, and then when I started seeing what God sent his own son to be crushed, just what we sang tonight. I, I am blown away by this, who he is. That's what Jeremiah says. Do you remember when you first got to know who he is? Then it goes on and end of 3, all who ate of it incurred guilt. The disaster came upon them, declares the Lord. Verse 4, hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the, all the clans of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord. And God asked this question through Jeremiah, what wrong did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and went after worthlessness and became worthless? They got after other things. And Jeremiah is bringing this to, to light. I got to thinking of how easy it is to stray away from the fear of God. How easy it is to be fearful of things happening around us, whether it's your finances or whether it's a relationship that's that's falling apart, or whether it's a hurt from the past, or whether it's what's going on in Israel right now and what's happening in the Middle East. It's easy to get consumed because when we start fearing things of this earth, what starts to drift is the fear of God and the understanding of Him with us and the intimacy He desires and desires for us that gets us through, that is our refuge. Verse 6, they did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness? You notice how many times in the Psalms it's reminded about, you know, do you remember what God has done? Do you remember what he has done and who he is and how he's doing this? And he's faithful and his promises are perfect. And it goes on through this. Then he jumps down to nine. He says, therefore, I'll contend with you, declares the Lord, because they drifted. There are people that drifted. There's several things that I want to draw out from this passage, especially going to Verse 19. I, forgive me, I haven't been at the pulpit since August 13th when I retired from Broken Bow, so I'm a little rusty on planning things out because you're planning on being here until 6.30 before we eat, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> See, what, what he's telling us in this passage is it matters how you think. It matters how you and I think every day. Do I, do I think of him? Do I think of all that he's done? Do I, do I recognize the fear of God every day I get up? Do I recognize his presence with me? Do I recognize the joys and the, the pleasures and the awe and the almighty of who he is every day? That's what he meant by verse 4, I believe, when he said, What wrong did your fathers find in me that they went far from me? You know, I, I'm amazed at how quickly my mind can go different ways and stray. Have any of you been amazed at how a worry can come upon you so quickly and consume you? And all of a sudden, you fear that and you don't fear God. Leadership also matters, is what Jeremiah tells us in verse 8 of chapter 2. It says, the priest did not say, where is the Lord? Those who handle the law did not know me. The shepherds transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied. And went after things that do not profit. Leadership matters. That, that's why I, I know Clint knows this about you, but pray for, for him that he stays solid in leadership. And how vital it is that pastors and elders and people in leadership in the church, and as you lead your family, that you stay solid and not stray away from it. It matters how you lead, it matters that we speak to these truths, this truth. And God will deal with us and our children. Verse nine, it says, "Therefore, I still contend with you," declares the Lord, "and with your children's children, I contend. I'm going to be accountable. Did I did I teach my kids? Did I teach my grandkids? My wife and I we get to be with some of our grandkids. Our two of our grandkids live in Tennessee, and we get to be with them next week. And and I, and I as, you know I'm starting to think, okay, I, I got to pack a lot of things in in just a few days that." Can I talk with them about these things? And as I study this a little further, and I, I you, if you look at Jeremiah 2.19, your evil will chastise you, a consequence without the fear of God. Your evil will chastise you, and your apostasy will reprove you. Know and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God. The fear of me is not in you, declares the Lord of hosts. As I studied that, I started to think the fear of the Lord or lack of the fear of the Lord will define how faithful I walk. The fear of the Lord or the lack of the fear of the Lord is going to define if I'm going to walk faithful or not. You know, I I was convicted of these things. And again, I, I, I apologize maybe not having these perfectly out in order but these seeds were the things that were speaking to me. I was convicted that when I, when I drift in my thoughts, it usually leads to something that I find uncomfortable in my life or something I don't like. You know, even, even uh, th- this last, since August 13th when I retired, um, this is probably not the traditional retirement plan. My wife and I, we bought, purchased a small acreage uh, between Odessa and Funk, Nebraska. Probably everybody knows where that is. Um, funk is a little town. It's a very small town. You know, it's one of those plum and poke towns. You poke your head out the window, you're plum out of town. That's Funk. And, and so we, we, we live in this middle of nowhere. We've been living in a camper as we remodel a 1915 house. And, and you know, I'm thinking of all these things and how quickly I can drift away with worry. Like just driving up here today because I would not recommend living in the camper in Nebraska in November. It's not a good plan. Um, it, it gets cold at night. And, you, and don't trust your weather thing because it's off. The other night it got down to 20 degrees and I was up every hour turning water on and making sure things didn't freeze up. And you know how quickly I drifted away from fear of God and got more consumed with the fear of all these other things? My wife knows that one of the things about her husband is that I, I tend to worry about stupid things things that I have, I have no power over, but how quickly I drift away to things that are uncomfortable. And, and when that becomes my focus, fear of losing my, my situation or things that I can't fix or control, and, and that fear of being uncomfortable and not liking what's going to happen, the fear of stuff outweighs the fear of God. And I've got to come back. I've got to come back. I've got to come back to the truth of who he is, whatever it is I'm facing, every day, every hour. I pray you listen very carefully to this last few thoughts. When I fear things in this life, those fears of whatever they may be outweighs the fear of God. And I start to steer away from the truth of who he is. And, and let's be real here. There's lots of things that we can attach to in fear today. Lots of them. But the fear of God keeps me on path with Him. It keeps me right with Him. I, he tells me this over and over in Scripture. As we read in, in Psalm 34. But when I fear God, the things in this life no longer control my thoughts and decisions. I want to tell you about a young man that was on a trip with us this summer. One of the, I loved being youth pastor. Loved it. And, and, you know, our heart was that we were going to touch all these kids in Kansas City and teach them about the truth of the fear of God and how vital it is to their, their walk in Christ. I didn't realize it was one of the boys in the truck that I was driving down that time that was really going to be touched by it. This young man is in a situation. I, I've known this young young man. He came into our youth group at freshman, and uh, he's got the stinkiest feet of the whole group because I found out I slept in the same bunk with him skiing one time and he, it was bad <laughs> being a youth pastor you learn a lot of those things and, and, and this young guy he, he, he was—he was, I remember the first time he was trying to ski it was just awful, I mean awful I, I, I texted his mother going well he's still alive um, and l- that was literally the truth but we were going on this ski trip and, and on the way home man it was so rich See, in his family, his mom and dad are divorcing. And it's been a horrible situation. They've been in the church as long as I was there. They've been there. And it, it was just breaking everybody's hearts. And, and it was breaking his heart. And he says, I was afraid. And he says, you know, when I started hearing what we, the word was saying, what God was saying about the whole duty of man is to fear God and obeys commands, it's put into perspective what I was facing. I came here consumed with fear of what my family's going to look like if I was even going to be able to go to college next year. If there would be anything to come home to. And he says, you know what happened, Pastor Tim, is that God spoke to me about the fear of God, put this all into perspective because those fears don't control me anymore that I have a right perspective of how to look at this situation. And he he quoted Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. I saw a young man who's a sophomore in college or going to be a sophomore in college grasp a little piece of what it means to fear God and put that first. One last thing I want to share with you is from Romans 3, 18. And again, I would say I've just begun to study the fear of God. As a Christian, as a believer, you know, it's real easy to to stand sometimes in our our position as a believer and look at those who are not And, and to look almost down on them. I'm guilty of it. And it's easy. And if you notice that 318, it says they did not have the fear of God. Romans chapter 3 18 there is no fear of God before their eyes that's what it says you know it's real easy to pick up and see someone that doesn't have the fear of God it's real easy to look in our community and see someone who doesn't have the fear of God and their failure it's real easy to look at what's going on in the Middle East and go they and Islam and all these other places and and go they have no fear of God it's real easy to be there. But one last thing that I want to share with you. The understanding, the beginning of understanding the fear of God is not an entitlement. It's a privilege that God gives us to know Him, to love Him, to stand in His presence, to enjoy His presence. I pray as we celebrate tonight the blessing that God has poured to all of us in such a rich way. Us, including in our lives, in the, the blessings, we, we, we praise God every day for having this little little acreage that we get to call home now. Praise God for, for the time in ministry and the, praise God for the future wherever God leads us in the ministry. We praise God for that. I pray I never take it as an entitlement, but as a privilege. The love of God poured into me. And I pray as a Christian community that we never treat it as an entitlement. Well, they don't have the fear of God. No. I pray that they do. I pray that they do. It's been such a privilege to be here tonight for my wife and I. It's just been a privilege. and So I just want to pray around God's Word now as I close. Father, I just thank you for the truth that you showed us in your Word Lord, I pray that we take, as Psalm 34 speaks to, the awe, the joy, the pleasure of knowing you. May it just surround us. Lord, I thank you for being in a body of believers who long to know more and more what it means to fear you, in relationship with you, in love with you, in awe of you. Lord, prepare us for heaven. That even even when we're with you in heaven, that will be all creatures, great and small, will come to know more and more because there is no end to you. You are so incredible that words fail to describe you. Lord, again I thank you for each in the room, and I pray your blessing on them at their word. Speak to him as only you can. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.